Welcome to the Couch Potato Podcast. On this week's episode, Lucas and I do Step Brothers, which is the movie that you guys voted on in our fan poll back in early August. Lucas, was that right? That is correct. Yep. Yeah, early August. I, I lose track anymore. Um, we're going to go into uh, some of our favorite scenes, our favorite lines. Uh, who wins the McLovin, which is a new award, seems to be popular with everybody. Uh, so coming up, it's the fucking Catalina Wine Mixer. The fucking Catalina Wine Mixer. Step Brothers comes up next. I know you touched my drum set. Get out of my face. All right, that's it. You destroyed my phone. You beat me up in your sleep. You're adults. It's time you started acting like adults. What? We're slow learners. We're not particularly good listeners. Hello, how are you? Oh, 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 oh. oh my gosh, have a great time. Step Brothers. All right, welcome back once again to the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm Russ, and with me always is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, my friend? Good evening, Russ. Uh, we're here to do this episode that was voted by our fans. That's right, for the <laughs> the third time we've attempted to do this one. Yeah, it, this is the cursed episode. Yeah, uh, we did this, what, back last, it was about a year ago, wasn't it? It was, it was in 2020 at some point. Yeah, I don't remember. And, uh, it, was still, it was still warm outside, I remember that, because uh, I put the air conditioner in that shed that we would record in. Mm-hmm. How, did, uh, how did that episode turn out? Well, um, so back then I had a medical marijuana card because I have trouble sleeping. And oh, is, that, have, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> yeah. I also have back issues and uh, anxiety, which they're all supposed, you know, it's supposed to help with, which it did. And glaucoma um, too, right? <laughs> I actually do have a history of glaucoma running in my family. I got cataracts, glaucoma, bad back, anxiety, <laughs> sleep issues. <laughs> Just give it to me, man. Yeah, I need a backyotomy. Um, so we recorded the episode while I was um, I was hitting my marijuana vape in the shed, and there was a little bit of a contact high coming, you know, your way. So we were both stoned and watching a comedy. It's one of the funniest comedies I think you and I can argue is one of the or agree is one of the funniest comedies we've seen. And so we were just cracking up the whole time, and then. Uh, because of said contact high, your microphone wasn't even turned on. So it's just essentially two hours of me laughing and you laughing in the background. Yep. Yeah, you can hear me on times uh, laughing. And then last night, we're recording this on a Sunday night. We usually do these on a Friday or Saturday night. And my recorder took a dump. So uh, I had uh, this new Rode, uh, the Rodecaster Pro I've been meaning to try out. So... Here we are. We're trying it out on this, so hopefully it sounds pretty good. If not, then uh, that's what we got producer Adam for. <laughs> that's right. He makes us sound good. Um, so, as Lucas said, this is uh, Step Brothers. This is an episode that you guys voted on uh, back in early August. We've been doing uh, poll questions. Uh, we're basically letting you guys program the, uh, the entire month of September. Uh, we did Jaws last week. We're doing uh, Step Brothers this week, and then course as we always do at the end of this episode we're going to tell you what we're doing next week although 
If you follow us on socials, you know what we are doing already. So, uh, so yeah, Step Brothers it is. The cursed episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we should, uh, you should put that in, like, you know, um, parentheses or have, like, a little star yeah. beside it. Quotations. The cursed yeah. episode. We'll eventually be on like one of those cursed podcast episodes where it's like, okay, well, one episode, one episode is like, I don't know, like a cursed movie, and then like we'll be like episode two thousand six hundred thirty-six of like some cursed podcast series on the internet. Yeah. Um, well, uh, first off, I wanted to lead off. Um, we did role models back a few months ago, and we talked about how 2008 was probably the last really great year for comedy movies because, honestly, they don't put out as many anymore. Um, but uh, I wanted to get your input. Uh, is Step Brothers the, like, the best comedy to come out of 2008? Because I'll just rattle off a couple of titles that came out in 2008. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall was in April of 2008. Uh, Role Models, which we'd done a few months ago. Uh, and then in... I think about a month time frame, uh, we got Step Brothers, then we got Pineapple Express, and then that was followed up by Tropic Thunder, or it was vice versa. But yeah, those five movies were all in like a five month time frame, five, six month time frame. Um, so, I mean, what do you think? Do you think this is probably the best comedy of the last great comedy year? Mm, it, I don't know. For me, I really, really love Tropic Thunder. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't. It's it's very controversial nowadays. You know, things change from year to year on what what's controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you have to adapt. But uh, for me, Tro- Tropic Thunder is still the funniest movie to come out of that year. Robert Downey Jr. in that movie just, uh, and then Jack Black as a cocaine addict. Uh, he's heroin. And then, uh, heroin addict. Is it, is it yeah, he's a heroin addict in that one. I thought it was cocaine. Well, anyway, he's addicted to to a white substance. And um, Ben Stiller, you know, just trying to play the uh, the action star that's holding on and, and mm-hmm. his agent. But uh, for me, it's Tropic Thunder. And, yes, I know I, I went a little, I rambled a little too much about that movie. I can see it on your face. No, no, you're good. You're good. I <laughs> That's what we want. We want people to – we want to talk. We don't want dead air. Right. Uh, um, I, I, for me, it's Tropic Thunder, but this one is a close second. Yeah, I mean, I think these are the two most uh, quoted movies in our circle of friends is this one and Tropic mm-hmm. Thunder. So, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, as problematic as Tropic Thunder is right now, there's still a lot of really great stuff in that one too. Um, I don't know. I'll have to revisit a few of these other ones, because I haven't seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall in a really long time, and I remember that movie was killer when it came out. I love that movie. It is a good uh, movie. And then I haven't seen uh, Pineapple Express in quite a long time, too. So, I don't know. I would say the Tropic Thunder and uh, Step Brothers are the kings of the mountain. I would say, since we're doing this episode, I'll probably say Step Brothers, because it's so... It's quoted more. It probably has more of a lasting impact in pop culture. Than Tropic mm-hmm. Thunder does, so I would say probably Step Brothers by a hair. Well, just just uh, a little note on uh, Pineapple Express. I don't find that movie funny. I think if maybe I was stoned, it would be a little bit funnier. But 
honestly, I don't find that movie very funny. Um, I remember I had a big fight with my ex-wife uh, because I really wanted to go see Tropic Thunder, and she made me go see Pineapple Express, and I was pissed the whole time. So that could also be why I don't find it funny. But, yeah, I, I don't really find that movie very funny. Was that the beginning of the end for you guys? Was the Tropic Thunder Pineapple Express debacle uh, of 2008? Let's see, when did we get together? Like 2004, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, that's when you can mark on your calendar, like the day I knew our uh, marriage was going downhill was August whatever, 2008. Yeah. Great <laughs> Tropic Thunder Pineapple Express argument. Yep, that was the, the beginning of the end. Um, as I was researching this too, uh, this well, first off, this is the first Will Ferrell movie we've done. So welcome really? aboard, Will Ferrell. Yeah, we haven't done one yet. We, you know, we quote, like you said, we quote these movies so much, like, it's hard to remember if mm. we've done one or not. Right. Um, and it's getting to the point now where I have a feeling eventually I'm going to start repeating myself on some of this stuff, or I'm going to contradict myself. Yeah. I'm going to say something <laughs> was awesome in an earlier episode, and then, like, I'm going to say, like, well, it's not as good as this movie. And it's like, but hey, maybe I'll start, if people start coming to our, uh, our show and they bitch about me being, like, absent-minded, then cool. It was worth it. Um, <laughs> but I was looking at Will Ferrell's uh, IMDb page just to see, like, the movies he's done. And from 2001 until 2008, I can't think of another actor that had a better, at least a comedy actor, had a better run than him. Um, in 2000, from 2001 to 2008, he had uh, Zoolander, Old School, Elf, Anchorman, Wedding Crashers, Talladega Nights, Blades of Glory, Step Brothers, plus he was on SNL. Wow. Yeah, that is a good run. By the way, Blades of Glory, love that movie. That is a good movie. Underrated. It's not, I wouldn't put it on Will Ferrell's, like, top, like, the Mount Rushmore of Will Ferrell movies, but I get a kick out of it. That's, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's probably the beginning of the end for John Heder, too. Or Heater? Heder? Uh, I think it's Heater. Yeah, where the fuck did he go? I don't know. After Blades of Glory, kind of just vanished. Yeah, I think he just Maybe got typed paycheck and ran. <laughs> I think he just got typecast as Napoleon Dynamite and just really couldn't find much. I know he had. I think he was in a movie with uh, Billy Bob Thornton called Mister Woodcock. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I remember that movie. I think I've seen that movie, but I don't like. I don't remember the details, but the name of the movie sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing I want to talk about with this is. Uh, in terms of, like, the great comedic actors of our time, we had Jim Carrey, we have Adam Sandler, Mike Myers, Will Ferrell. Do you think that Will Ferrell's run from that time frame is probably the best of any comedic actor in the history of film, at least in the modern era? Uh, it, if it's not number one, it's number two. Uh, I'm trying to, as we're talking, I'm trying to, you know, look up and see, like, Jim Carrey's run because he had a really good run there, too. Mm -hmm. um, but his wasn't all comedy. His was also, you know, like serious movies too. Mm -hmm. um, which he had a movie that I really liked that I think is really underrated, which is uh, The Majestic. Really love that movie. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. You've got one on me finally. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, We need to mark this moment down. Yeah, if anything comes out of this episode, the eight people that will listen to this, <laughs> Lucas has seen a movie that I haven't. So mark Let's it down. See. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, plus he was in, in Living Color. Well, in 94 alone, uh, Jim Carrey did Ace Ventura, 
The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Those all came out in one year. That's insane. Then, unfortunately, he was in that the worst Batman movie ever, Batman mm. Forever. It's uh, not as bad as Batman or Robin, but it's it's number two for sure. Yeah, it's man, it's hard to argue against Will Ferrell. I think Carrie started off probably the best because I think, in terms of like a year, I think there's not too many actors that have like that kind of year that he did ninety four, mm-hmm. but like. With Sandler, he kind of petered out after four or five years. Carrie kind of started going downhill after that, but Farrell stretched out for a long time. And he even had a couple of fairly big hits after 2008, I think he did. The other guys, which I like, you, you're not a fan of, which is also an Adam McKay movie. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't think of a, a, a comedic actor that had the run that he had. Yeah, you know, it's, it was really impressive. Um, I think towards the end it started to become the same character. Mm-hmm. So that was unfortunate, but I mean, it, at the very least, he kept you know maintaining that same level for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Will Ferrell, the greatest comedic actor of the modern movie era. Harumph. Harumph. All right. Well, you want to get into the categories? Let's do it. All right. The tale of the tape. This movie was released in uh, 2008, July the 25th, to be exact. This stars Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Richard Jenkins, Mary Steenburgen, Adam Scott, and Katherine Hahn. It was directed by Adam McKay. A Rotten Tomatoes score of 55% from critics and 69% from audiences, which the critics score, not really surprised, but as much as this movie is quoted, I'm surprised that that Rotten Tomatoes score from audiences is only 69%. That's a little... At least it's a little lower than I thought it would be. Yeah, well, you know how subjective comedy is, and it's kind of some people that you would you would think would find this movie funny don't Mm -hmm. that I know. Right. So yeah, it I don't know. It's it's surprising. It could also be part of like uh, what you have down for worst scene, which we're going to get into, Mm -hmm. which I uh, actually agree with you on that. Yeah. Um. The box office was $128 million on a $65 million budget, which also surprised me that a comedy had that kind of budget. It had to have been. This was, this was towards the end of his run, right? Mm. It had to have been because Will Ferrell was pulling in such a paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as you can judge by the uh, critics' Rotten Tomatoes score, this movie did not win any awards. <laughs> No way. And I was a little shocked by this. It's not streaming anywhere. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I thought I for like sure it would be on Netflix, but it's not. Yeah, I thought it was on Netflix not too long ago. It may have, but they're, uh, they keep pulling stuff off there all the time. Uh, actually, after we couldn't f- uh, record this last night, I was going to watch Den of Thieves, which is an awesome Gerard Butler heist movie. Mm-hmm. It was on Netflix for years, and all of a sudden it's not on there anymore. That sounds about right. I'm like, fuck, I got to buy it now, which I would. <laughs> All right, the uh, William Somerset Research Corner. Couldn't f- There's not a whole lot of research to be done in this, but Lucas, I'll let you lead off first because you had some really good stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, so the fake nuts that uh, Brennan, uh, Will Ferrell's character, goes and puts on the drum set, mm-hmm. which, you know, going back to the shed, I think that was the moment that – those lines uh, where he's talking about the drum set or some of the 
things we laughed the hardest about. Those fake nuts. So that weren't those weren't actually his balls, um, which he could have probably saved some money on this movie. Uh, those things cost ten thousand dollars. Really, ten thousand dollars for fake balls. It's almost like uh, their uh, special effects crew, whoever did this, was like, "Hey, you know, we can do this for like fifty bucks, or if you really want them to look good." And then Adam McKay is like, "All right, just." Bill it later. Just get it done. And then, like, they decided to come up with this. I did see something where uh, Will Ferrell trots those out at parties, too. Oh, uh, yeah. He got to keep them. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. So, it, that's that's hilarious. It kind of reminds me of uh, – it kind of makes that scene funnier. Uh, did you ever watch him in Eastbound and Down? Uh, yeah. He plays that uh, car dealer, Ashley Schaefer, who looks like basically a Dollar Tree version of Ric Flair. He pretty much acts like him, too. And he has that, that whole line uh, where he's talking to uh, Craig Craig Robinson about taking his plums to the market. My, my plums. Yeah. That, my, that my juicy plums. Yeah, after you said that, that's the first thing that popped in my head was that scene, which if you look that up on YouTube, it's fucking hysterical. Especially, like the outtakes? Oh, mm. yeah. Um, so you know how uh, Brennan and Dale get bullied throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Um by those kids, the dog shit that he has to lick uh, in order to be let up is actually powdered donuts. <laughs> he luckily did not have to lick actual dog shit. Oh, I hope not. That's method acting 101 right there. <laughs> he went the extra mile, you know. You know, when I was uh, looking up stuff too, the kid, Chris Gardaki, mm-hmm. is the name of uh, an NFL punter. Yeah, when you said Gardaki, like it, that immediately sprung to mind. Yeah, he played for like 13 or 14 years in the NFL, even for your Cleveland Browns, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, my, my Browns that lost tonight. Sad. Um, the original cut of this movie was five hours long. Um, but, you know, thankfully for the theatrical release, they got it down to 98 minutes. Five hours. Like, what the fuck was in this for five hours? You know? Yeah, it's probably the uh, – <clears throat> I know they did for Anchorman. They had so much extra footage, they made an entire movie out of it. Really? Mm, yeah, it's um, – it was a bonus DVD. I know when we used to work for a uh, a certain retailer, uh, they had a pack. It was Anchorman followed by the – it's called The Legend Continues. Mm-hmm. They just, They spliced together all these extra scenes. And they turned it into another movie, which wasn't very good. Oh, I'm sure there's a reason that it, you know, just made its way to a bonus DVD instead of actually being released. Right. I'm sure Step Brothers is the same way. Well, like they, I know they like to, they were very heavily like improv guys and like, they just wanted you to just improvise and cut loose on the set. So that's probably what it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I saw that Will Ferrell, like, one of his biggest things is trying to get people to laugh to break character. Mm -hmm. So uh, it doesn't surprise me. Um, The last fact I have is the director was actually trying to get a rap album put out (laughs) in the same vein as Boats and Hoes, Mm -hmm. and he would have gotten it done if there wasn't scheduling conflicts. Oh, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, so Brennan and Dale would have had their own rap album. 
I'm not going to, I'm not going to try. I, I was getting ready to start wrapping boats and hose, but I decided not to. I was like, it's going to come off really bad. <laughs> well, now I really wish that it would have. Well, I don't have the lyrics in front of me. I would actually almost try it, but I don't have it on me. Sorry, guys. Maybe that'll be a, a bonus take later down the road. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have a lot either. Um, John Hamm and Thomas Lennon were considered for Derek before Adam Scott was cast. Um, hmm. I thought this was a really weird fact, and it popped up on uh, my research numerous times, but Joaquin Phoenix has said on record that this is one of his favorite movies, and he's seen it more times than any other movie he's seen. Uh, well, I, it's hard to explain Joaquin Phoenix anyway. That dude is, like, ultra weird. Mm. Um, but it, it's a little surprising. I figured he would like something kind of darker. Mm-hmm. He seems like the type of guy that would really like a, a darker movie. Right. But, hey, he likes to laugh at Step Brothers. Go him. Yeah, that's right. Just went up a uh, just a, a tiny little notch extra on the the respect totem pole. Um, mm. As cool as it is to say, the Catalina wine mixer, this movie wasn't shot on Catalina Island. It was shot on Rancho Palos Verdes, which I'm sure I probably screwed up. Um, I guess you can actually see shots of Catalina Island during that scene, which Adam McKay, I guess, kept in as like kind of a practical joke. Mm. Yeah, they didn't shoot it on Catalina Island at all. Yeah, I, I saw it was like uh, it was like Donald Trump's golf course or something. Yeah, it was uh, one of his uh, golf courses. I guess apparently they just there wasn't anything they could really use on Catalina Island, so that's why they went to where they went. By the way, I really just want to be rich and own a bunch of golf courses and mm-hmm. just go play golf all the time. That sounds fun. Well, if somebody would buy our show, we could do that. Fair enough. Somebody buy our show. We'll do it. We will We will whore out for you by doing episodes, and then you just pay us lots of money. Yeah. I mean, then you have to be a lot of money, just enough for, for us to live comfortably the rest of our lives. That Yeah. Well, I don't know how you live, but – uh. Me living comfortably, they're going to have to shell out some dough. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't come cheap. Um, Richard Jenkins, who plays Dale's father, Robert, actually worked for John C. Riley's dad at a linen uh, factory in Chicago back in 1969. A linen factory? Oh, yeah, they, they handled linens of some kind. But, yeah, Richard Jenkins worked for John C. Riley's dad. That's cool. It's crazy how stuff comes uh, full circle like that. Mm. And then the last one I have is the uh, Kelly and a wine mixer scene. Uh, that is actually Will Ferrell singing and John C. Riley playing the drums. Yeah, which is, um, what did I see? I, th- I think I seen John C. Riley's brother was a drummer when they were growing up. Mm. Like they do like a little band together, I think he sa- it said. And John C. Riley's brother was actually the drummer. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's that scene where uh, the family, the weird family's in the car and they're all singing. That's not actually uh, what's his Adam Adam Scott. Adam Scott. That's not actually him singing. Adam Scott, who bears a fair resemblance to uh, frequent collaborator of the Couch Potato Podcast, Luke, who's been on our show a few times. He really does. <laughs> now that you say that, he really yeah. does. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got to there. Like 
there wasn't a whole lot of like interesting facts about this movie. I don't know if it's everybody got along. There wasn't a lot. Like they kind of knew how they were, what they were going to do, who they wanted. So there wasn't a lot to look up in this. So I feel like it'd be kind of weird to have fights on the set of a comedy. It almost seems counterproductive to what you're trying to get accomplished, you know? Oh, well, I mean, I've, I've read numerous stories. Like, I know uh, Harold Ramis, who directed Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Him and Bill Murray got into it quite a bit, too. Bill Murray seems like a really cool dude, but he also seems like if you do something that he really doesn't like and you piss him off, mm-hmm. he is going to be a total dick. Yeah, I've read quite a few stories about him being somewhat difficult, so. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now that uh, we've gotten the fun facts out of the way, uh, one of the two toughest categories for this episode is going to be the I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. Uh, I I don't know where to even begin because, like, there's so much, so much great shit in this movie. But uh, a couple of honorable mentions is I have Derek's birthday party. Uh, mm. This is where uh, Catherine Hahn comes on to John C. Riley and they have sex in the bathroom and she's at the end she says, Stay golden Tony Boy and goes to the urinal and takes a piss, standing up. Oh man, when she hikes her fucking leg up on the wall and pees mm. into that urinal, I lost it. And then of course you get the boats and hose vit rap video when they're selling prestige worldwide. <laughs> Is that my fucking book? Um and then um actually uh one of the uh the scene, like the stills that they have for that presentation was the one where uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are holding weapons when they're touting security. I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to do that as the logo for the show for a little while. <laughs> as us, just standing there like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that one's an honorable mention. And I also have the uh, the tuxedo interview sequence where they're going to the job interviews and the where they're interviewing for like the jobs are wearing a tuxedos like, there's the uh, the Pan, Pam, and they go in together and interview. And, then of course, they have the uh, – they're interviewing with Seth Rogen, and they, John C. Riley rips the fart. Yeah, which uh, that may come up later as a, as a best line. Yeah, I, I, and then, like, I don't know. I, I've been in a room where somebody's ripped one that atrocious where you can actually almost taste what it is. Yeah. The, <laughs> Um, but my favorite scene of the movie is the the drum set sequence <laughs> where they're fighting over the drum set when uh, uh, Dale comes home. He asks uh, Brennan if he's played his drum set. He says no. And he asks him why he's sweaty. He says, cops is on. <laughs> <laughs> and then they end up yeah, getting... I usually, I usually sweat real hard when cops is on too. Yeah, and then it... He ends up, they get into an argument, and he goes, Brendan gets up, and he says he's going to go put his nuts on his drum set, set, and he goes up there, and this could come up later on, but when he says, uh, John Bonham's about to play Moby Dick for real, he starts <laughs> 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 Oh, man. And then, um, yeah, that whole f- sequence in the front yard where they're fighting. Yeah. I, I don't know why I get a kick out of that dog, the blind guy's dog who attacks Brennan. Yeah. And then the rest of the fight scene, he's just barking at him. Mm-hmm. 
And then Mary Steenburgen's got to come out there. She's trying to hose them down, and they have to call uh, Robert to come break it up. Yeah, hose them down like they're dogs. That's hilarious. And just to hear Mary Steenburgen say, what the fucking fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Because she seems like a really classy lady, mm-hmm. and then she says that, and you're just like, whoa. It's kind of like when Morgan Freeman cussed on uh, Wanted. Yeah. Wanted. Kill this motherfucker. And then uh, I put it as one scene, but the uh, the after uh, the aftermath where uh, they get grounded, and you get those lines like, this is, house is a fucking prison on planet bullshit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the, what is it, in the cosmos of this sucks Dicks Cam- camel dicks, yeah. Camel dicks. <laughs> yeah, so that's my favorite scene of the movie. What do you got, dude? Um, so the the honorable mentions were all the ones that I was going to mention too. But my favorite scene is when they become best friends. Um, and they they discover that they can make bunk beds. And they go in the, into the room and ask their parents, can we make bunk beds? Mm-hmm. And then uh, a line that you and I quote, uh, which may come up, uh, which is going to come up later in the in the best line um, for becoming best friends mm. is in that scene. So like that that's my favorite scene because just because I still quote that a whole bunch to this day. Yeah, uh, even when the bunk bed falls on Brennan, it still cracks me up. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, and something like that normally would lose its like effect later on. It still cracks me up because it just he hops on there and just boom, it just falls on him immediately. <laughs> and you know it's funny like as a kid so these guys are you know supposed to be like man children mm-hmm. as a kid you know you could totally see yourself fucking trying to build bunk beds with your best friends oh yeah and i could totally do it the heavy one jumps on the top it crushes the one below <laughs> <laughs> well that would be me hopping on the top and crushing you yeah well when i was a kid uh my friend josh he was like six three 130. I mean, he was a really skinny dude. Um, that would have been me jumping up there because I was a chubby ass. <laughs> now, did you, is it just the scene where, like, he shows off the sword and the night vision goggles, or is it that, that whole montage? It, yeah, it's the whole montage. Yeah, that's pretty it, good. It's a pretty extended scene, but yeah. Yeah, I, I like it where they're watching the uh, above the law and they're just, mm-hmm. they're, yelling, waiting for Steven Seagal to break that dude's arm. <laughs> yeah. Which is a staple of a Steven Seagal movie back in the, that time. Is he, he was always going to break somebody's limb. Which is perfect. <clears throat> um, I, I don't think there's really a winner because I think even our honorable mentions could easily win this. Yeah, like out of, out of this movie, the worst scene, which we're going to get into, is really the only really bad spot of this movie mm-hmm. i think yeah um i'd say i'd give it to yours just because that seems to be the sequence that everybody seems to remember mm-hmm. and it's it has probably the one of the most iconic lines i mean i also like the catalina wine mixer uh scene too i don't know why it cracks me up but when uh the billy joel cover band's playing and that <laughs> Guy, I, I can't think of the actor's name. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but he goes, play something from The Stranger. <laughs> and the guy goes, we're strictly 80s, Joel, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I'd say that one wins, though, the best friend sequence. Um, I, I don't remember which part of the 
there was one more honorable mention that I thought was really hilarious, and I think it's when they were fighting, uh, where I think uh, was it Brennan was burying Dale alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm still alive. Yeah, that one's Shut good up. too. And even you're the, waking up the neighbors. Yeah, I wanted to even the scene where uh, um, Derek and his wife visit for the first time. That's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Then uh, they eventually, Derek gets knocked out of the treehouse. Oh, he like punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. That was so cool. And uh, it's not one of my favorite lines, but I do get a kick out of that line where he says, uh, Derek says, I actually have the opposite of a problem. I made over 550K last year. <laughs> Such a douchebag <laughs> thing to say. Right. All right, but we'll give it to the uh, the best friend sequence because that's, the most iconic, so. It's also a biography of you and I. It is. True story. Except ours probably be more dramatic, though. <laughs> um, the brand new sequence here, the uh, I don't like sand. It's coarse and it's rough. See, scene or award for the worst scene in the movie. See, I'm not used to even announcing this award, so I kind of fumbled it. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Um, yeah. The sleepwalking sequence really doesn't do anything for me. I think it's kind of stupid, and it doesn't make yeah. me laugh at all. And When it, I first saw this, it made me laugh, but like subsequently watching it, it's just it's, it's kind of annoying and it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's to me, it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those occasions where like when Will Ferrell tries to be funny and it's aggra- it's annoying more than it's funny, which he does have a tendency to do that from time to time. Yeah. So that, that for me would be the only scene in the movie really that I just like, okay, I, I would fast forward it. If I had to condense the movie down, that would be the scene I would cut. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, just, it's, it's really just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do get a kick out of the pillows being in the oven, but that's about it. <laughs> all right the king kong ain't got shit on me award for the best line of the movie king kong ain't got shit on me another really tough one um i have uh honorable mentions and it was hard to pick just a couple but i just wanted to give a special shout out to the uh you have the voice of an angel it's a combination of fergie and jesus like out of anybody you could have mentioned as a singer, it had to be Fergie. And I don't yeah. remember whether this was like when Fergie was still like a big deal or not. I don't think she's yeah, done anything in quite around, a long time. This was around her time. Well, she kind of fucked herself by singing the national anthem in a really loungy singer way, which is still, even with Roseanne screaming it, to me, Fergie, the way she sung it was still the worst rendition I've ever heard. Um, is this before or after she, I know there was a a concert she did. I don't know if it's when she was with the black eyed peas, but she pissed her pants on stage. (laughs) Have you seen it? Um, I don't know if that's pre or post around that time, like, or maybe a year or two after, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I seen it. Yeah. She's just, she's, she's pissed drunk on the stage and with wet pants. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one that I have is uh, looks like John Bonham's playing Moby Dick for real. <laughs> it just still, still cracks me up every time I hear it. 
Um, is, that your, is that your two nominees or is those honorable mentions? Those are honorable mentions. Uh, my uh, a winner would be the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, they do say that a lot in that movie. And I, as I was researching some of the lines, I had read that I think Will Ferrell called Adam McKay to tell him that when the Saints won the Super Bowl, I think it was 2009, that uh, the first thing that is caught on like audio was the Saints yelling, it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer <laughs> really? during the post-game celebration. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, that that's probably like that, and I would imagine one of your nominees are probably the two most iconic lines from the movie. Um, yeah, but like this is the same as the best scene. Though. It's just tough to narrow down one. Like I even said, like it didn't even make the cut. But the uh, I have the opposite of a problem. I made five hundred fifty k last year. The uh, Dane Cook pay per view twenty minutes. Let's go. <laughs> and I even like the. The John C. Riley, where he's talking to his dad, and he goes, uh, he's talking about the scenario if Nancy came on to him. Oh, yeah. And then even Richard Jenkins is yelling, shut the fuck up. Cracks me up. <laughs> but what do you got? Um, what, yeah, this, I was, when you said Dane Cook, this kind of reminded me like of how old this movie is kind of starting to become. Because when the hell have you heard anything about Dane Cook since like that era? Well, uh, Derek, even at the dinner, just rattles off a murderer's row of, like, douchebag celebrities. Yeah. Like, he talks about he uh, had, I think it was some kind of party with Mark Cuban, who he referred to as the Cubes, <laughs> and Bobby Flay, and I think Seal, which Seal doesn't really strike me as a douchebag, but I don't know right. Seal personally. Sorry, Seal, if you listen to the show. Um, wow, you don't know Seal personally? No. You, did, you must have yeah, no, like, 550K last year. I came just short. 549,999. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what else, What do you have as your nominees? So I, I don't uh, necessarily have nominees. I only have one. And it's because I use this with you and Adam and really anybody that will listen to me. I, I look at them like, did we just become best friends? Yep. Want to go do karate in the garage? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that one's pretty good, too. Um, but yeah, I, like it, it, I used to say that at work, like, what, 20 times a fucking day? Oh, easily. Easily. And I think it's between that and the Catalina wine mix are the two that, like, are the most quoted in the movie. Yeah, and they, I mean, they say the Catalina wine mixer in that movie, like, oh, God, especially towards the end. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, they, they say it when uh, Dale goes to work for Derek. Or not Dale, but Brennan goes to work for Derek. And he Derek gives him the chore of putting together the Catalina wine mixer. And then that during the Catalina wine mixer, yeah. Um, so what wins? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, do we've got the two most iconic. And I think those are the, the two right choices for this. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, too, like best scene. Like, how do you pick a best mm-hmm. line out of this movie? I don't know. I, It's hard for me. To, I can't pick. I'll, I'll let you pick. All right. Uh, since you've already got one, I'm going to go with the Catalina wine mixer. Sounds good. Just because I've used it quite a bit in my everyday lingo, too. I think I even used that in a job interview once. <laughs> I, I fucking hope so. I hope you put that, like, if you ever wanted to – 
you know, when you're on unemployment and you're like, I don't want this job. I don't want to get an interview. But I put together the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Well, it's funny that you mentioned I do have a funny story. Uh, I was on unemployment once. And um, back, back when I was on it, it shows you how old I am. Uh, you had to uh, call or you could fill out a form and mail it in. And uh, so they would ask you, like, jobs that you had applied for. Well, I was kind of in that mode where, like, I didn't really want to go to work because I had money coming in. So I would just apply mm-hmm. at jobs. I either I had no shot at getting it all or, like, a, a job that I wasn't going to take. And one of them was I applied at McDonald's. And they wanted your previous work history. And I put that I was the former game warden at Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. That's got to be the best fucking job thing ever. Yeah. I'm sure, like, either it just, they totally o- overlooked it or they thought I was crazy. But they never called me, which was the point. That's too bad. I, like, if I, was the, if I was the hiring manager and I saw that, like man, I gotta hear this story. I wonder, I wonder what kind of shit you would have made up too if you would have actually went into the interview to try to explain what you did. I probably just would have said, "Listen, I just made that up so you wouldn't call me." <laughs> <laughs> and that plan backfired. So here I am. Ah oh, man, that would have been perfect. And I probably would have spent like twenty minutes talking to him about how great Jurassic Park is. It is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um. The next award is uh, another brand new one. Is the McLovin Award for the best supporting performance? I am McLovin. Um, I know we usually share notes, so I wanted to go a different direction than you. I think that your nominee is probably the right one, but I wanted just to talk a minute about Adam Scott as Derek. Okay. I thought he was really good. That would be my nominee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just really perfected the art of being like that just that dickhead that you want to knock out. Which, if you ever seen Parks and Rec, he's completely different in that. He's like right. the meek, kind of shy, nerdy guy. And he's actually one of my favorite characters in the the, uh, the series, but he's the polar opposite of how Derek is in Step Brothers. It's true. Makes him a good actor. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, even, like, when we looked it up and, like, John Hamm was – considered at one point and I could see John Hamm doing it but John Hamm almost kind of is an imposing figure especially if you've seen Mad Men mm-hmm. so I think Adam Scott's better because he's like the guy like yeah I can kick the shit out of that guy if I wanted to but yet he's like that money powerful you know right uh I don't know, what's the what's I'm looking for it I can't think of it uh country club like you know, I, I go to the country club, so I mm-hmm. my dick's bigger than yours type of guy. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's my nominee. Um, I don't think he should win, but I just wanted to mention him for a minute. Um, well, I mean, he is a re- he's really good in this movie. He's, he's you know, he's a good he's a not he's the nominee. He's a good nominee. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had as an honorable mention, I had Rob Riggle as Randy, <laughs> which <laughs> I like I, Rob Riggle. His shtick kind of wears thin on you from time to time, but I don't remember if this is in the theatrical release or the unrated version, but there's a scene there in his office and he has a heart attack or something. He dies for a minute and he comes back. Uh, I'm going to say that I think that's the, 
the unrated. unrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought his, and then the, the, the pal. <laughs> I, I thought what, I was going to say pal, like, I would I would have knocked your ass out or something like that. Yeah, he says something I would eat it like Kobayashi. He was talking about <laughs> eating his dick. <laughs> oh man, there's another throwback: Kobayashi and the fucking uh, Nathan's uh, hot dog eating mm, contest. Right. Um, I don't know who do you have. Uh, I have Catherine Hahn as Alice. Yeah, she's the winner <laughs> because she just fucking goes completely overboard hilarious uh i hate my husband i want to i'll fuck whoever will take me at this point Mm -hmm. just desperate housewife in this movie and it's fucking hilarious and like the image that always comes to mind is when she hikes her leg up and fucking pees into that urinal Mm -hmm. oh my god i i am brought to tears every time i see that scene when i was watching it a couple nights ago when uh i think it's christmas dinner where they go into, she goes into the the other room, mm-hmm. and then uh, they come out. They come barging out, and he says something about her back's messed up. Trying to pick up an extra chair to bring into the the kitchen. <laughs> the scene still cracks me up. Yeah, she, she's the winner. I mean, she's throwing a hundred. She steals the three scenes that she's in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think she's got to be the winner. What what does she say? I want to wrap you up and just shove you up in my vagina, like roll you into a ball, roll you into a ball. Yeah, <laughs> shove you into my vagina, keep you warm. And then yeah, I even she's... I even get a kick out of the the dinner sequence at uh for Derek. She's like she's the only one nodding her head to boats and hose. It's like <laughs> she's really getting into the song. Yeah, and like, uh, Derek's looking at her like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think she wins. Yeah. Um, so what, are, we're on the last category now. No, we've got a couple more left. Got a couple more. Oh, uh, mysteries. Yeah. Well, we've got the Eric Stoltz Award first. Oh, who we replace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer you would recast. Nobody. Yeah, I, that's. I don't even have it written down in my notes because I didn't even consider anybody else in this movie because I think everybody plays their role. Perfectly, I could see both the parents being the type of parents they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the the brother-in-law and sister-in-law being Dick and you know Dick me mm-hmm. of the family. And of course, those kids like being perfect little prissy assholes. Yeah, is, they play that really well too, and they drive me nuts every time I see them. Yeah, I, those are the kids that like I. I'm glad that my kids are not like. Yeah. Those are the type of kids where you're just like, oh, I fucking hate those kids over there. Mm, yeah. And you feel bad because you're an adult and you fucking hate those kids over there. I actually, I don't. Really? Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm perfectly like, fine not liking those kids. <laughs> and those would be the kids that like, I would probably just like complain like, you know, like eh, the party was okay, but you know, Derek's snot nosed punk kids just can't stand them. Right. I, I would have thrown one of them into the pool if uh, their parents hadn't been looking. It, it would be like the scene from uh, me, myself, and Irene, where he's drowning that kid in the. In I the wouldn't. Pond. I, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> that would just be one of those things where, like, if I was standing, like, they were standing next to the like a pool, and I was like on the other side, I just would have kind of body checked him into it. 
Well, I, I'm sorry. I guess I took that one a little far. <laughs> yeah, we now know that Lucas, if you, Lucas doesn't like your kids, keep an eye out. He may assault them. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them to stop jumping rope in the street, and if they don't, then I'm going to fucking dunk their head in a fountain. Only if that cake song that's playing in me, myself, and Irene, when he just loses his shit. Yeah. We're going to rock you. Well, I think it's that... That's not cake, but that scene, it's like that song when, like, it's that, that mellow song. And he, oh, it's like when he yeah. drives the car through the, the barbershop. Here you go, Dick. I parked it for you. <laughs> By the way, you got a headlight out. We've got to do that at some point. Um, the unsolved mysteries of the movie. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Uh, the only one that I have is, does Brennan and his therapist, does their relationship last? Probably, because as a therapist, I I don't know this personally because I'm not a therapist, but I imagine your whole role is trying to make somebody better, <laughs> and that man is really fucked up, so it's going to take a whole lot of trying to get him better. I I always get a kick out of that sequence where like he's dreaming and he's like a lumberjack. It just barrels down the door. <laughs> I I personally think it's one of those screwed up relationships that it does. Like, they do last, but it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're looking at it from the outside, and you're like, wow, this is fucking terrible. Like, uh, doesn't, yeah, she says something at the end where uh, she's basically saying that she knows that she shouldn't be doing this, but he really can wear the shit out of that pirate or that, that hat or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like this is insane, but he can wear the shit out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, the final award is the I'm the King of the World Award for who wins the movie. I'm the King of the World! So I will let you lead off. Uh, for me, it's the two main character characters. It's Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Well, the, the two main actors, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like this podcast. Without those two, it just doesn't go anywhere. So... Uh, I, I, you look more like Will Ferrell, so you're the Will Ferrell. I'm the John C. Riley because I'm fat and dumpy with the shitty hair. So, um, but yeah, like th- these two play well off of each other uh, in this and in Talladega Nights. I don't think this movie is nearly as good without those two because right. just like the way that they interact with each other, um, the lines that they use on each other, which I'm pretty sure most of them were ad libbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm it's, sure most of this movie is that way. Yeah, it they're just they're excellent together. Um, did, did they make a third movie together? They did. Like they, they did Holmes and Watson, which I was horrible. Yeah, I think I watched like 30 minutes of that and had to shut it off. I was like, okay, this isn't doing anything for me. I I think though, if they tried to do something together now, I would at least check it out just be just because I think they at any moment they can strike magic together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so for me, it's those two. Yeah, that's who I had to. You pretty much touched on everything that I had written down. Um, if I'm going to pick one, though, I would maybe <clears throat> lean a little bit more towards John C. Riley, only because he's kind of more of a d- dramatic actor by trade. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do much in the comedy realm. I mean, he'd been like 
I can't think of his character's name in Boogie Nights, and it's going to drive me nuts. And I'm sure that I'll think of it the minute we're done. But he yeah. has some some you know funny moments in that, but it's still really a dramatic part. And he doesn't really right. become known for comedy until he does Talladega Nights, and he is just as good as Will Ferrell. And you know, normally when you see, like, comedians seem to get uh, go into the dramatic world a little bit better. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like Adam Sandler's done some dramatic stuff. Robin Williams, uh, Jim Carrey. They've all translate. you know, they've gone into that dramatic world. And they've done really well, but you don't really see it the other way. Right. I mean, I've never really seen, uh, I mean, Ben Stiller's done it to an extent, but nothing like, nothing that's gotten him critical acclaim. I mean, I've never really seen, uh, like, you, you won't see Daniel Day-Lewis in a Fairly Brothers movie. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Probably not. But, uh, I mean, he he goes toe-to-toe with Will Ferrell, and, like, he wins some of these scenes in this movie. Right. He's just as uh, good as Will Ferrell in this movie. So, I, I guess I'm going to pick one, I would say, John C. Riley. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's both of them. I mean, this movie doesn't work without them. Right. Uh, his character's name was Reed Rothschild, by the way, in Boogie Nights. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it was something like... It was very porn starish. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I agree with you. If, if we were to pick one out of the two, I agree with you because I do think he holds his own and sometimes exceeds mm-hmm. um, Will Ferrell in this. Right. So there we have it. John C. Riley wins the Who Wins the Movie Award. But Will Ferrell, it's everybody like – Everybody wins in this Yeah, movie everybody award. wins. The audience wins. The performers win. Adam McKay wins. Winners all around. Um, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think, uh, like you, I was shocked at the uh, the Rotten Tomato score so low from the audiences because, I don't know, maybe it's just our brand of comedy, but I, I this movie, besides the sleepwalking scene, is just hilarious from start to finish. And, I, you know, the long-lost episode of us just cracking up in the shed while we were recording it's just it's it's golden it's one of the it's one of the highlights to me of doing this podcast i know nobody but us has ever heard it or were there to you know witness it but it it was just fucking hilarious and i, I think i still have that file somewhere on my laptop do you? <laughs> oh, i God. think so don't hold me to that but i think i still have it but yeah, like us being stoned out of our minds and listening to that and watching it and just fucking hilarious. This movie's great, and I encourage everybody to check it out. Yeah, it's, I don't know, like, it's really, like, my favorite Will Ferrell movie is Anchorman. It's probably mm-hmm. the one comedy movie that I quote more than anything, but I don't know, man. Step Brothers is, like, up there. It's definitely one of the iconic comedies of the, the last 20, 25 years. Yeah, and like you said, unfortunately, we don't get as many comedies now because movie studios can't take the risks they used to. Right. They all go to streamers now, so. Right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode, so we will talk at you guys later. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Lucas, uh, what did the fans vote on for uh, our episode next week? King Kong ain't got shit on me. Training day. Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, you guys voted for training day, so we're doing that next Monday. So be sure to uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss that one. So until next Monday, we will catch you guys later. Deuces. <laughs>